Good morning. This is a different perspective for me. It's good to be here this morning. Your eyes aren't deceiving you. Tim hasn't let himself go. Uh, he is, uh, he's gone this morning and I'm filling in for him. Happy to do so. If you are visiting with us today, you are our special guest and we hope that you will be comfortable this morning. We hope that you'll come back and spend time with us because I hate to break it to you. This Sunday doesn't count because I'm not the regular preacher. So you got to come back and, and hear Tim. This morning we're going to spend some time talking about the Lord's Church. I want to talk about God's church. And I'm not talking about the, the Lord's Church as in this building that we've come to this morning. A lot of times we can get a little tripped up in the idea of, of the church as a building. This building that's around us, that's made of concrete and wood and, and screws and nails. I don't want to talk about the church building. I want to talk about a building of the church, the one that's constructed when we come together as a family, as a unit, as the Lord's church, the one that is crafted and made out of living stones. Because that's what we are. We're living stones. Before I go too far down this road, I, want to do, I do want to say that I think that the Church of Christ is really good at pointing that out, too. I think, uh, I think we, we kind of pride ourselves in pointing out that the church is not just a building. Uh, if you're anything like me, you probably remember the old AVB song. If you're a lot like me, you've probably annoyingly quoted it to people in the past. Uh, you can't go to church, some people say. It's the common terminology we use every day. You can go to a building. That is something you can do. But you can't go to church because the church is you. You can go to a chapel. You can sit on a pew. But you can't go to church because the church is you. We recognize that even though there's a sign outside on the wall that says Church of Christ, it's not in reference to what you see from the outside of this building. It's a reference to what's taking place inside this building with the body of Christ. We are the Lord's Church, and that's an amazing thing to be a part of. It truly, truly is. It's an amazing thing to be a part of the Lord's Church, but sometimes it's difficult to wrap our heads around what that really means. Sometimes it's difficult for us to picture what it really means to be a part of the Lord's Church. The New Testament uses a number of different descriptive images to show us what it's like to be part of the Church. For example, I can get this to work. The Church is described as a kingdom, wherein we're citizens. And, and Jesus is the king, and we all owe him a, a debt of servitude, and we are all uh, obligated to serve in the kingdom. It's also described as a family, as a family unit, where we're born again into the family of God. And we have our Jesus as our father and, and our various brothers and sisters. Other scriptures talk about the church as a body. The church is a body where we emphasize both the unity and the diversity that we have, where Jesus is the head and we all have roles to play in that. But this morning, I want to take a look at the imagery of the church as a building. With every Christian playing an integral role as a living stone built into what we see and what we recognize as the Lord's church. And our scripture this morning is going to come from 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Most of us in here are somewhat familiar with ancient Greece, and we've all heard stories of the Spartans. Um, there's a, a great story about an, an old Spartan ruler who used to brag far and wide about the great walls around Sparta. And it was a, a great legendary wall that, that covered the city of Sparta. One day a traveling dignitary was there, and as he walked into the city, he didn't notice any walls at all. And he said to the king, where are these great walls that I've heard of? Uh, where are these, these walls that we hear far and wide? Because I don't see any walls. The king of Sparta pointed to some of his soldiers nearby and said, these are the walls of Sparta, a great unimpenetrable wall that surrounds the city. Just as that king of Sparta recognized his well-trained soldiers as integral bricks in a wall that protected the city, so God, our Savior, sees us as an integral living stone that build up and make up the existence of his church. Paul uses the same imagery in Ephesians. And I went too far. Paul uses the same uh, imagery in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, where he says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together as a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. The image of the Lord's church as a building is a powerful one. But it also leads me to believe that there is the need for a blueprint. If you are anything like me, you have probably uh, gotten like one of those nice little Ikea end tables to put together and um, unboxed it and seen all the contents laid out and thought, there's no way that this is going to end up looking like the picture on the box. We need instructions. We need a blueprint. Uh, if you're anything like me, you may or may not in the past have put in, uh, a bookshelf together only to find out that once you proudly put it against the wall, you put all of the shelves in backwards. It's important to have a blueprint. It's important for us to have instructions. How much more so is it important when we talk about building the Lord's temple, when we talk about building the Lord's church, how much more so important is it that we talk about the blueprint, the plan, the instructions that are in place? I don't want you to worry about that because God knows us. And God knows that we need instructions. God knows that we need a blueprint. And there is a very solid uh, scriptural consistency across the Bible of God providing that blueprint for his people. Uh, we saw when Noah built the ark, God gave him very specific instru instructions. We see again when the, the Jews are in the wander uh, wandering in the wilderness and they're building the tabernacle, God gives very explicit instructions, uh, telling them how long, how tall, how wide, uh, what kind of wood to use for the poles, how many poles, the arrangement of the poles, um, how many curtains to have, the, the type of uh, the type of uh, material that the curtains are supposed to be out of. Every detail is included. And the Jews knew that they needed to build that to God's specifications. When the Lord set about to, to build his own temple in Jerusalem, he gave David very specific instructions that Solomon then carried out. 
And the instructions were so specific that the Bible tells us that when they actually went to put the temple together, that at the work site they didn't need any hammers or chisels. And that would be an incredibly impressive feat for us to see a modern-day group try to work on. But they were able to do it way back then because they had instructions. And they followed those instructions through to completion. When we look at the care and the detail that God put forward in laying out his plans for the temple, it makes sense that as part of God's building today, he has given us a blueprint. And our blueprint, pretty obviously, is the word of God. Everything we say, everything we do, must be guided by what God has told us to do. And if we ever leave that blueprint behind and start trying to do it on our own, through our own ways, we'll succeed only in making a mess. The, the final product that we come up with will not look at all like the picture on the front of the box. We will not be able to do it in and of, our own, in and of ourselves. We have to have God. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Peter says it this way. He says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Everything we teach, everything we believe, Everything we do must be founded in God's word. It must be according to the instructions that God's laid out for us. If not, we're working without a blueprint. And I don't have to tell you what a disaster that can lead to. It's impossible for us to do it on our own, by our own wisdom, through our own understanding. We have to rely on God's plan for us if we are to be his structure, to be his body, and to be his temple. Let me tell you why else it's important for us to, uh, to stick to the instructions. And this is one that is kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around sometimes, too. And that is that the Lord's construction for God's church is never complete. It's never complete. As we look around this auditorium today, we can see a structure that is complete. It needs some upgrading from time to time. It needs some tender, loving care. When, when things go awry, but it's still a complete structure. The Lord's church is never completed. God's church is a perpetual work in progress. And if you woke up this morning, then there's work for you to do. There is work for you to get involved in, because the Lord's church is growing. You may have heard the story about Sarah Winchester. She was heir to the Winchester Rifle Fortune. When her husband died, she inherited $20 million and an additional salary of $1,000 a day. That's a lot of money when we think about it. In the late 1800s, it was an almost unimaginable amount of money. When her husband passed away, Sarah moved to California. She bought a eight house, uh, or an eight-room farmhouse and the 160 adjoining acres around the house. And then she decided to get to work. Uh, she hired 16 carpenters and put them on two shifts for a 24-hour shift to work around the clock. For the next 38 years, a crew worked 24 hours a day to turn her farmhouse into the mansion you see in the picture above. 38 years. This is what happened. Over those 38 years, whoop, the house covered six acres, included 13 bathrooms, 
40 staircases, 45 fireplaces, 52 skylights, 467 doors, 10,000 windows, 160 rooms, a bell tower, and still more plans to continue to grow. Sarah Winchester passed away before she could even fathom what the end product would look like. And that's a crazy story. But I think that in a way it describes the work of the Lord's church and what's happening in the construction of God's building. He's been on it, working steadily, roughly 2,000 years now. Uh, not to mention the planning that went in ahead before that. The, Lord's, the Lord is at work in his church 24 hours a day. He doesn't stop. He continues to work on us. And, and he's growing us. We are growing. Every time there's a baptism, every time someone gives themselves to Christ, we add another stone another brick here, another room here, another fireplace there. We continue to grow because the word of the Lord continues to convict people. It's convicting us. The construction process for his church is never completed. The plans are always expanding. And it's always growing because the gospel of Christ continues to convict us. The blueprints, the plan that God put into place, require that Christians are continually being added to God's church. And that's a good thing. As living stones, you and I, though, have a role to play in that. A very important role. And we're also not the only ones. There's a legacy here that we continue. We build on the work that others have done. Uh, Paul speaks in Ephesians 2.20 about being built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets. They were the first ones to preach the gospel and convert people through their evangelistic efforts. Others picked up where they left off, and more stones were added to the building. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God's making it grow. When you continue down into uh, verses 9 through 10, he says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Someone else is building on it. That's us. We're continuing to build on it. Do you see the joint effort here? Paul built up the Corinthian church for a while, and then when he moved on, Apollos came in and continued that work and picked up where he left off. In the same way, here in this congregation, some of you have been on the construction crew for a long time. And you're continuing to work, I hope, because we don't get to retire from that work. Some of you here this morning have joined the construction crew a little later, maybe more recently. But we must continue to keep working together because we have to prepare those who will follow in our footsteps. We have to be working together to continue the work of the Lord's church. And we have to encourage each other and build each other up as we continue to see the Lord's church grow. We have to remember that we are the builders. But in doing that, we can't forget that we are also the building materials. We're not only the building or the builders, we're the building materials. And that means we have to allow ourselves to be used as God sees fit. Not always necessarily how we see fit. And that's tough for some people. Let's be honest, that's tough for everyone to put God's efforts and, and his plans ahead of our own sometimes. But Christ gives us the perfect example of what it means to look like a living stone for God. 
We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6-8, through 8, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and to the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Peter quotes both Isaiah and Psalms here, as he points out that Jesus Christ, while chosen by God as a living stone, in fact the cornerstone on which his church would be built, was rejected by men. The same Jesus that the world sees as a stumbling stone is the living stone for which our church is built on. And for you and I, as living stones, as part of the building materials for the Lord's church, he's the ultimate example for us. The foundation, the most important block, the cornerstone has to be strong enough to hold up the entire building It has to be precisely laid, because every other piece is oriented to it. And so Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He supports us. He's the orienter. He's the unifier of the entire building. And that is what Jesus Christ is in our relationship to the Lord's church. The whole building ties together because of the relationship we have with him and through him. If you and I want to be living stones in the construction of God's church, We have to be following the blueprints. We have to be striving to create ourselves as examples. And we have to follow that servant example that Christ lays out for us as he serves as the cornerstone. It's the role that Jesus plays as the cornerstone that allows you and I, as living stones in God's church, to seamlessly fit together. It's impossible for us to create that structure that's in God's blueprint without the relationship we share through Jesus. All throughout the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul doesn't ever let us forget that we have this relationship together because of Jesus. Uh, Paul tells us time and time again that everything that we have is in Christ, through Christ, in him, by him, through his blood, uh, by his death. Everything comes to us through Christ. Jesus himself says, no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. And we are the living stones joined together on that foundation through him. Without him, we will never be able to stand as a body. And we will never be able to be and fulfill the construction that God lays out in his plans. We began this morning looking at Ephesians 2. And in that scripture, Paul goes from describing the church as a kingdom, uh, as a citizenship in a kingdom, to a member of a family, to a building. And if you look at that kind of superficially, it it almost seems backwards, right? It seems like he's growing more distant. But if you look at what Paul's really getting at, he's actually moving closer, higher, to a more intimate relationship. Because he's stressing the closeness of the members of the family of God, the very house of God. You see, it's possible for members of a family to be scattered. You probably have members in your family that live hundreds of miles away, or maybe even thousands of miles away. You may have members of your family that wish lived hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away. There are members in your family that you may see once or twice a year. Now, they're still part of your family. They're still part of that unit, but you don't share that closeness with them that God covets for us to have. 
You don't, you don't have that daily connection. But when we look at the figure of a building, there is no separation in the stones that make up a wall of a building. There is no separation between those things. They are stacked together. They are joined closely together. They are reliant upon each other. They're knit together. In fact, the King James Version says, we are fitly framed together. As you look around this building this morning, it was not so long ago, in fact, it's a time that I can remember, when this building didn't exist at all. It was an idea that existed. Instead of the building you see this morning, it was a pile of timber and a timber yard, a bucket of bolts and screws in a, in a hardware store, a roll of carpet in a, in a warehouse somewhere. But through a lot of planning, a lot of hard work, a lot of practice, the building that you see, this physical building today, was put together. Same thing is true of the Lord's Church. Many of us who are Christians now were separated in the past into different groups. We were separated into pieces that had little in common. Different economic situations, different ethnic backgrounds, different interests. But Jesus Christ, the master architect, the servant carpenter, took us together and put us together and joined us through his blood into what is becoming and is continuing to be the Lord's church. He's the glue between me and you. He's the screws and the nails. Because the truth of the matter is, we worship God in a house made out of each other. And if that sounds weird to you, it's because it absolutely is. Now think about it. We wouldn't choose to do it that way. And I'll tell you why we wouldn't choose to do it that way, and you'll have to forgive me when I say this, but sometimes you're hard to deal with. Don't feel bad about that. Most of the time, I'm hard to deal with. Just ask my mom. Um, but we make it work because God has a plan. And Jesus solidifies that relationship that we have. What Paul said of the Jews and Gentiles who were separated for hundreds of years is true for us today. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes that, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The God who created us, who set forth the blueprint for his church, has greater things in store for us than we can imagine on our own. Since the dawn of mankind, God has put into place a plan leading us towards him. It's a blueprint that would ultimately lead to the construction of his holy temple. And it's made up of a holy priesthood of those who call our creator Father. That's a powerful image. When we look back at it, it's, it's easy to see why in the Old Testament, when God decided to try to call people towards him, he really favored sending leaders who were shepherds, who had a shepherd's background. But when he decided it was time to make a new covenant, a new contract, and to begin the construction of his church, of the building of his believers that he would dwell within forever, he sent his son not to be a shepherd, but to be a carpenter, a servant carpenter. And when we allow him to, when we as living stones will allow Jesus, when we as the church will allow Jesus, the humble carpenter, to go to work 
He'll take every part, every living stone, and he'll knock off the rough edges. He'll chisel here, he'll sand there, he'll smooth it out, he'll get it ready, he'll build it in, he'll fit it into place in his building. And as he cuts us precisely, we'll fit snugly and beautifully together, and we'll let him so that every part has a role to play. And every part works with each other to create something more magnificent than any picture on a box could, could look like. When he's done, there won't be any pieces out of place. There won't be any defective or inappropriate pieces. Together we will form a building. And not just any building, but a temple. Stephen points out in Acts 7 that our God does not dwell in the temples made by hands anymore. Rather, his temple is found in the hearts of his people. And so we're not just any building. We're a building with the highest purpose that you could ever possibly have. We are the dwelling place of God. In the few minutes we have left this morning, I want us to take a look at what Peter has to say about why we've been built. In 1 Peter, Peter says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's important for us to know that we have a purpose for which we've been built. We are the Lord's church. We have been fitly framed together to fulfill a plan that was put into place at the beginning of time. And we are a work under construction. We are continuing to grow. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And it's important for us to remember that reason that we were built. Because if we're not careful, if we're really not careful about that, we can forget. We can do just that. We'll forget the purpose that we were built for. We can forget that we have an obligation to keep building and to keep that building ongoing because that's what God's plan calls for. We can also sometimes become so uh, consumed with the building process that we don't take the time to remember that we're also the building materials. It's a lot easier to point back and show somebody how to build something than to actually stand in and support it yourself. We can lose sight of that. We can forget that we have an obligation to be building materials, to be the living stones that God uses to build his church allow God to make us fit. And we could forget that we're part of a greater plan, a plan with precise instructions and with a greater obligation to honor the one for which the building was intended. This building is intended for things that are beyond our imagination. This building is intended for an eternity. And you are a pivotal part of that you will continue to be a pivotal part of that. And when we let God, as the cornerstone, unite us, to orient us, to support us, we will continue to see something that is far better than anything we could have ever imagined. And that's an amazing thing. 
Peter is calling us back here to our purpose. He's calling us to proclaim the praises of him who called us. We live in a world of darkness. Let's not kid ourselves. We live in a world of darkness, a world that doesn't know God. It's our responsibility as workers in the construction of the Lord's church, and it's our responsibility as the living stones who make up that construction to continue the work so that when people see the church, they don't see a building. They see a people united who glorify the one for whom they serve. People shouldn't look at this building and say, that's a nice building. People should look at the people inside of this building and say, that is an amazing God who is doing amazing things. That's what the blueprint's for. That is what God's plan is, for us to be doing amazing and powerful things. And we have the power to do it. We have the power to do it because God gives us the power to do it. Because God is leading us closer to himself. He is giving us the example of his son. He is laying the foundation that we continue to build on. And we are laying foundations that the future will begin to build on. The Lord's church must continue to grow. The Lord's church must continue to stay under construction because it's far from finished. It's our responsibility to be actively involved, not just in the building process, but also in the support of what's being done in the Lord's body. It's really easy to sit back and say, that roof needs to be fixed, or these water spots need to be fixed. It's another thing to dive in and do it. And when we allow ourselves as living stones to be sculpted by the master carpenter who is Jesus, we'll find that we have the ability to step in and fix those things even when we think we don't. If you're looking for a way to fit into this church this morning, there are opportunities for you. And if you are hesitant to jump into those opportunities, maybe it's time to spend some time with the master carpenter. Maybe it's time to allow your living stone to be chiseled out a little bit, to be polished so that you do find a place to fit in. This morning, as we close this lesson, as we, as we wrap our heads around, around this message that uh, hopefully has been of God this morning, we're going to extend an invitation in a minute. And I want to make one thing absolutely clear. And I want you to understand this. If you're here this morning and you feel like there's not a place for you in this church, if you're here this morning and you feel like there's not a place for you to fit in, that there is not an opportunity for you to be part of it, that is not the way that God's blueprint intended it. That is not the way that the plan was written. We have opportunity, and God will work on you, and God will work with us because we are continuing to grow. You and I, as living stones, are not perfect, but the plan is. And the master architect, the master carpenter who shifts us and puts us in place, he's perfect as well. If you feel like there isn't a place for you in the Lord's church, that's not what God intended. There is a place, and we can find it, and we can continue to do the work that needs to be done, and we can continue to lay the foundation for the future so that the Lord's Church does, in fact, continue to grow.
because it has to. Because that's what the plan is. And because we have to be at work to do that. And so this morning we're going to offer an invitation. It's an invitation to be added as a living stone to the building of God. It's an invitation that calls you out of a world of darkness and into a world of light. It's an invitation to be an integral part of the Lord's church. Maybe you haven't been the living stone that God's called you to be. Maybe you need to take a look at your life and take some steps to make yourself more like the cornerstone. Perhaps we all need to reflect on ourselves and compare ourselves to the cornerstone and see how we're doing as our living stones. Perhaps you've never taken the decision to become part of the church. We can take care of that this morning too. Perhaps this morning you're looking for a way to be used by God. We can do that. You can do that. But it may require you to allow the carpenter to use you as he sees fit. And maybe in some self-reflection this morning, we need to think about being utilized by God as he sees fit. Spending some time looking at our priorities in comparison with his priorities. Because the building of the church comes first. The exalting of God comes first. That's why we exist, to be a house for God, to be a temple in which our Father and our Creator resides. Wherever you are this morning, if the church can help you as we continue to grow and as we continue to do the work of God, won't you come forward as we stand, as we sing.